In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Six, four, Welcome into another episode of the 643 Podcast. Happy to be with you guys on this Tuesday afternoon-ish, whatever time you're listening to this. And uh, got a lot of fun stuff as we get closer and closer to the start of the WBC. And typically, you know, I'm a baseball nerd, so I'm going to watch it anyway. But I am really, really excited for the WBC this year. And part of it's just because, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of fun young talent in the WBC. Part of it is just because... I really don't know. Maybe maybe it's the fact that it feels like this is going to be the first uninterrupted year. This is going to be the first uninter- un- uninterrupted year of baseball in the past uh of the past 3 seasons. You no, know, we obviously we had 2020, we had uh the slow start in 2020 uh in 2022 last year thanks to the CBA negotiation. So it feels like this year I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just because I would like more baseball to talk about, and uh, I've been on there a fair bit more. And it's always better for me when there's baseball to talk about. But it really does seem like this WBC, and maybe it's just because there's so much better young talent than we've seen around the game in a long time. And that, that holds true in whatever league you're a fan of. If it's NPB, if it's um, you know the minors, or if it's Major League Ball. There's just so many incredible young talents that I think it's going to be a really good World Baseball Classic. Now, unfortunately, I don't think the American squad is going to win. Not because America shouldn't win, but because that's kind of how we treat baseball in general, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's you know the WBC or whatever. The Major League season is always viewed as the most important. So if you have like a cold, you're going to pull out of the WBC. We've seen that from a couple of the pitchers uh, on the American squad. Nestor Cortez, uh, Clayton Kershaw, to the point where Nick Martinez is now one of the starting pitchers for the American squad. And don't get me wrong, there's still Mike Trout on the team. And as long as Mike Trout is on the team, you've got a shot at winning. But that sets up so many good matchups. Like, show, We might see Shohei versus Mike Trout. We might see Ronald Acuna and Sandy Alcantara, which, you know, us in at least fans, we've seen quite a bit. But there's such a, a different vibe around the WBC, especially with the Latin guys. Like the non-American players in the WBC, it's like a different feeling. And I think part of that comes in because it's almost like it's a chance for them to put their country on the map baseball-wise. And I don't think Americans can get this. I really don't. Unless, if you're a soccer guy, you may be able, this might be, 
like soccer to a degree where like the best soccer is not in the U.S. But in every other major sport, like the best football players aren't going to Europe to go play football. The best baseball players aren't going to Japan to play baseball. Like everybody comes here. So here it's already as big as it can possibly be. And whenever you're in your profession, like just to put this in perspective for radio. So you guys know I had a, I had a weird track to getting to where I am right now in radio. And that's not to say that I'm, you know, in any crazy position, you know, I'm still part-time host and, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely proud of where I'm at. It took me a long time to get here, but you know, I'm extremely proud. And most people, when you get into radio, they have to, especially, especially if you're from a bigger market somewhere like Atlanta or Dallas or Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, these places, you have to leave. You have to actually go take some small job or take a starter job at a different in a different state, a, a much smaller market, and work your way up to the bigger market. Generally speaking, you don't just get to stay in a big market and jump on there. Just probably why it took me five years of being an intern at Six Eight of the Fan. And the uh I'll say the lucky break of Matt Edgar, who knew me, getting put into the uh getting you know, getting a promotion and reaching out when the Braves were doing really well. So I, I owe the Braves pretty much my entire radio career. But that's not typical. So I, I kind of, I think that's probably the closest analogy I could look at for baseball. So like, getting to see all the guys I'm already watching, plus the guys that are probably going to filter their way in here in the next few years, especially some of those guys on Team Japan, like Roki Sasaki, Roki Sasaki, I think, is the player that I am most excited to see in the WBC. If you don't, if you, if the name sounds familiar or you don't know the name at all, Sasaki was the guy that threw a one hitter and a no hitter in consecutive games in the NPB as like a twenty year old has a hundred plus mile an hour fastball, has just ridiculous stuff. Essentially, he's like considered at this stage of his career a better pitcher than Shohei Otani was when he came over. And Shohei, lest you guys forget, in addition to being maybe the most beautiful man in the world, um, I'm still pretty convinced that he was created in a laboratory. Like, I don't think he had a normal birth. I I think that, you know, those Japanese guys, they're very, very smart. I think they might have created Shohei to be, like, the perfect epitome of a human specimen. He was considered, like, the best pitching prospect to ever come out of Japan. And it was crazy because he was younger when he came over. Not super, I mean, really, he was super, super young, especially by Japanese standards coming over. But, like, Roki Sasaki is a better pitching prospect than Shohei. Now, granted, if Shohei were just a pitcher, he probably would have been even better at that. Like, if Shohei wasn't, you know, having to split time between, oh, yeah, being a pitcher and a starting and the best, one of the best hitters in the entire sport, and at the time in Japan also playing right field and being one of the fastest players in the sport, then, you know, his pitching prospect status probably would have been even higher. But Sasaki has already shown that he's just an absolute animal. I can't wait to see some of those matchups, and I want to see how Team Venezuela is going to do, how the Dominican team is going to do, because that Dominican team looks like they should probably just walk away with it. But that Japanese squad, man, there's going to be so much good pitching on that squad, so so much power on that squad. They have a, a guy who's 23 or 24, and forgive me, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to say it right now. Uh, but he he 
broke Sadaharu O's rookie home run record. He had 56 bombs as like a 22-year-old. There's so much good talent. And that's outside of the league. But this is kind of one of the things I look at in baseball right now. We all know how insanely talented Ronald Acuna Jr. is. Like, we use the term generational talent. And we're going to have to come up with a new term. Because when you say generational talent, not every team is supposed to have a generational talent. So in one respect, the term generational talent is way overused in baseball right now. But it still feels right because if you're comparing them to players that were coming up 10 years ago, there's no comparisons. Like, look at the Braves right now. You've got Ronald Acuna, and you've got Michael Harris, and you've got Austin Riley. All three of those players you could consider generational talents. It took Riley a little bit longer to get there. Ronald and Michael Harris straight out of the gates, generational players. Now, Riley, you can say the defense isn't there. Offensively, he's got the looks of, of like a premier offensive force in the game. But the Braves aren't the only team around baseball to have something like that. Look at the Mariners with Julio Rodriguez. You look at Juan Soto, who, oh, by the way, is still one of the younger players in the game. You look at, and by the way, they also have Fernando Tatis Jr. So even if, even if you uh, feel some type of way, about the PEDs, you still can't deny just the sheer talent that he's got. I mean, you look around at basically every team in the league. The Angels with Shohei, and they had Mike Trout, who, you know, now now we're going to see who else they can come up with. Maybe it'll be Zach Neto. I don't really think so, but we'll, we'll see. The Astros with Christian Javier, with Kyle Tucker, with Jordan Alvarez. You look around at basically everybody. I mean, even the Tigers, and I know Riley Green hasn't gotten to this point yet, but there are few young players who got drafted that have Riley Green's bat. Like, Riley Green's bat when he was coming out of college. Riley Green was so good that nobody even noticed Vaughn Grissom. And Vaughn Grissom is a hell of a player. Like, he, he is a hell of a talent himself. He's just constantly been slept on because he was on teams with Riley Green and Michael Harris. But you start looking around baseball, and it's... I keep, I've said the golden age of baseball a lot last year. I said it so much that I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about it. But I think it's probably true. Meanwhile, you know, baseball is bound and determined to find ways to piss off all their fans and change the way that everybody's watching and paying attention. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But there's no arguing that the talent level right now makes baseball, at least for me, for people that, that are just fans of the best players around, I think baseball is in the best spot of every major sport talent-wise. Now, Baseball is going to baseball, and they're going to suck at marketing it, and they're going to ruin. They're they're not going to get the fan base jump from this that they're hoping that they get or that they should get from this. But when you look at the leagues, and I know the NFL has you know Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and tons of really really exciting young quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence taking a, a big step forward. Basketball has a lot of insanely talented players, um, but baseball, I mean, just off of the top of my head, the young guys that are just absolute stars right now. You've got Acuna, you've got Harris, you've got Sandy Alcantara, you've got Jazz Chisholm, you've got, um, I mean, you got Riley, who's still young, you've got <laughs> Spencer Strider, you've got uh, Jordan, you've got Christian Javier, you've got, I think Anthony Volpe is going to make his way into this, but right now the Yankees might not have any of those young guys. Mm, sucks to be them. 
Uh, but you've got all sorts of just insane talent everywhere in the game. And I know I didn't name off a ton of guys there. Literally go into every division, and it's there. I just don't want to take up 30 minutes of this podcast to sit there and just name single players with a ton more coming up through the minors right now that you look at and say, good Lord, that guy can be the best in baseball at his position. Not everybody can be the best at their position. There can only be one best. We're going to get to the point here where, like, it's almost going to water down generational talent because there's so many. It's almost like the term ace for a pitching staff where, like, we use the term ace for every team. Like, every team has an ace, and that's just not true. Like, every team has a number one, but they're, they're not everybody could be an ace. Just, like, not everybody is an all-star. Not everybody is an all-pro. Like, it's, it's a little bit different. But baseball is in such a good spot that it makes pretty much any baseball game activity kind of must watch, especially if you're a baseball nerd like I am and like most of you guys are. And that's no offense. Nerds are awesome. The worst thing we ever did was try to pretend that nerdiness was terrible. Nerdiness is awesome. Let you geek out and, you know, get sucked into something fantastic. So uh, cannot wait to see the WBC. Uh, I'm hoping Ronald blows up, and I'm hoping Eddie has a, a really good time in the WBC, hoping he can kind of get him ready and raring to go. Because right now, the two worst players for the left field competition are probably Ozuna and Eddie, like the two that have had the worst spring so far, outside of Luplo, because you can't make the club if you're in the tub, obviously. And an oblique injury sucks, but just kind of is what it is. Eli White and Kevin Pillar, and even Sam Hilliard here lately, they've all played fantastic. Sam Hilliard has probably been the worst of out of that threesome. Like, Pilar and, and Eli White, they should make the squad. And I talked about this on Monday, where I know Snitz said that Ozuna's going to be on the squad. And Ozuna's going to be on the team. But if he doesn't start hitting, I just don't see where you're getting at-bats from him. And, I mean, that's not a terrible thing. Outside of the fact that, you know, he's taking up a roster spot, and if he's not a guy that's actually going to get regular at-bats and he's going to sit on my bench, it seems like a wasted roster spot to me. Because it means you're not going to carry Kevin Pillar and Eli White because Eddie Rosario is going to be on the squad too. Like, they're not going to they're not going to dump Ozuna. They're not going to dump Eddie. And Pilar and White, they do basically the same thing, which is premier defense. White's faster. Um, Pilar is much, has been much more consistent with the bat, although Eli White made some swing changes this year, and he's hit the ball really, really well this spring. And that's the other good part about the, the players going off to the WBCs. It's going to give Sam Hilliard, Eli White, Kevin Pilar. It's going to give them more opportunities to solidify a roster spot. It's also going to help Marcelo Zuna because, look, man, this is this is the time. And I know he went three for four the other day. We talked about that yesterday um, on the uh, Front Rose Audio Fun Bag, which, by the way, there's going to be a name change. Don't tell anybody I told you. This is just for you podcast listeners here. Um, but we are, uh, we're, we're toying around some concepts for the Front Rose Audio Fun Bag going forward. Um, also, 643 is going to get started again Saturday, March 25th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait for, for this season and can't wait for watching the, the Braves this season. But you look around at the at the spring training battles. You had Ian, who the last time I talked, it was right before Ian's first, uh, first start, and it was terrible for him, just like it was terrible for Elder. Um, about as bad of, of a first outing as you could have. But those two rebounded with very, very strong outings their second time through. Uh, that looks good. 
Soroka's throwing off the short mound in bullpens right now, so hopefully he's not too far away from getting uh, on the bigger mound and getting himself some action, even if it's just simulated games or whatever. I'll, I'll take anything from Soroka at this point, because at this point he's probably not going to start on the big league roster. There's only about four or five weeks left before we even get to uh, before before we get to the regular season. So it's not like it's not like it's a really long spring training. It's still a truncated one. It started on time, which I really appreciate. Um, but now this week, and I believe Thursday, is when the WBC actually starts. So we're getting closer and closer to that. Um, everybody's already kind of, the people that are playing in the WBC, they've left already. Uh, so you're going to get to see more and more of these battles. You're going to see more and more of the, the young guys as the rosters are trimming down a little bit. You'll see the guys that, that are really surprising. And for the Braves, that would be like Dylan Dodd or Darius Vines. Uh not really on the position player end of guys, although some of them haven't been. Some of them I, I've thought have been better than I expected. Uh, Braden Shoemaker, at least the past couple of games, he's put the bat on the ball a little bit better than I was expecting. Now, is he a real threat to actually get playing time if Von Grissom struggles? No. Braden Shoemaker is. Uh, Braden Shoemaker, at least to this point, is not uh, in that contention. Now, he was a first round pick. He was a guy that when he got drafted, you looked at and said, oh, that's a Ben Zobris type player. He's about the same size, 6'4, close to 200 pounds. Uh, good defender at short. He's a lot quicker than you think. Uh, and, and when his swing is right, you know, he, he hit the ball hard in college. He hit the ball pretty well on the Cape, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but I don't believe I am. Um, can play a good shortstop. He could probably play center field, too. He could play second, could play third. He is a guy that overall looks like. One of your prototypical utility types. He's done pretty well this spring. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, the main lineup, they look ready to go. Olsen and Riley have gone back-to-back on two separate occasions, and it was both, both of them were last week. Uh, they, they look absolutely ready to go. And Matt Olsen, I'm telling you guys, this is, this is going to be a big year for Matt Olsen. Not just, from, not just from the concept that the shift is gone, so there's going to be you know traditional holes open. On the right side of the infield, he might be able to occasionally get, you know, a single to go through on the ground instead of everything he hits on the ground being a 100% certified out. That's going to help him in the average department. But the power numbers, and, and by the way, his power was impressive last year. It's not like he, he was bad in the home run department last year. But I think now that he's comfortable, I think the problem with Olsen is we were all expecting a big leap just getting out of Oakland and getting to Atlanta. And the first year anywhere can be difficult, but when it's your first year at your hometown squad and you're replacing somebody like Freddie Freeman, that is a lot of pressure. And I think it just took him a little bit to sidle in. And don't forget, it took Olsen about two months for the power, for like the home run power to really start showing up. He had a lot of doubles early on in the season that you feel like some of those should have been home runs if he just either squared it up slightly differently or if this had been a different year, that would have been home runs. I think you're looking at a 40-home run campaign for Matt Olson pretty easily. Ditto for Austin Riley. Now, take you behind the scenes a little bit at the station. Um, whenever I, when I filled in for uh, Matt Chernoff last week, uh, we were talking about the Braves guys and, and how high I am on them. And uh, Hoyt and, and BJ and all those guys, we were talking and Hoyt had asked me a very interesting question. Um, who's the guy that's going to perform worse than you think? Because not everybody's going to have a career year. And that's, I kind of thought about it. And, you know, I, it, it, I really didn't even, almost didn't notice it. 
that I have kind of been extremely bullish on every Braves player, whether it's Ozzy or Ronald or Riley or Olsen or Murphy, whoever, that I've been extremely high on them. Now, part of that is just because they're all fantastic players. And I genuinely, like, that's how good this Braves team is, that you look around at it and there's not a lot of players that you think are going to really struggle. Now, realistically speaking, there are going to be a couple of players that struggle. But it also depends on what you mean by struggle. And I don't, I just, I, even now, looking at it, I don't know who I think is going to be the worst guy on the team. I mean, maybe it's Vaughn. I just, I really don't believe it. Like, Vaughn has looked good in spring. He's, the past few games, he's kind of struggled, at least offensively. But the defense has looked good. It's looked fine. It's made some good plays. And at the plate, he's not over-pressing or anything like that. He's taking the pitches where they're, where they're pitched and hitting them up the middle, hitting line drives all over the place. You're not seeing a ton of the power, but you don't really have to for Vaughn. Now, I think he can go 20-20 this year. I think he probably will if he plays a full 100. If he plays like 150 games, chances are he's going 20-20. He's got enough power to do so. But the real thing with him is he's going to be in a great spot in the lineup to get good pitches to hit, to be able to, to be selective. And I don't think pitchers are going to, especially if he's hitting nine hole all year, which he should, pitchers aren't going to, they're, they're going to not be able to just kind of lazily pitch to him or just call it, or just put him on because they don't care. They're going to have to throw him pitches to hit because you're not going to want to put runners on in front of Ronald and however else they, they align the, the batting order in the season. It could be, I would probably go with Ronald, Harris, Riley, Olsen, Murphy, Ozzy, Travis, Eddie, and Vaughn. But you could see them go with Matt Olson hitting two and Michael Harris hitting fourth or third or, or even fifth or sixth or whatever. I would probably have Harris batting second and then swap with Ozzy when you're facing a lefty. That way you have le- uh, you have right-handed Ozzy hitting right behind Ronald. I think that would be the perfect fit, but we'll see going forward. I don't think it really matters. I think you could organize this lineup essentially however you want. That's how deep this Brave squad is. I think the worst person in this lineup is either going to be Eddie Rosario or Vaughn Grissom. And Vaughn's a guy that we, we keep saying that Vaughn might be the worst in the lineup. That's just because we haven't seen it from him. That's really it. I mean, if you, if you look at what Vaughn, is, what Vaughn did in his minor league career, offensively in the minors, who's better than Michael Harris? More consistent anyway. Like he, that's, and that's, that's not a knock on Michael. We all saw what Michael Harris did. And I'm not saying that Vaughn, by the way, he can't win Rookie of the Year. He exhausted his eligibility last season. And I know he tailed off after about 30 games last season. At the same time, Michael Harris kind of faltered. And then Michael figured it out and adjusted and picked it back up. But I think Vaughn's going to be the same way. I think, I think Vaughn is going to be a superstar. Not necess- and and I, should, I should choose my words carefully here. I don't mean that he's the same level of talent as like Harris and Acuna. I think he can be the same level of talent that Ozzy is. Where like I wouldn't call Ozzy a superstar. Like Ozzy in some years could be the best second baseman in baseball. But I don't think he's a candidate to do that very often. And that's not a knock on Ozzy. There's some great second basemen in the game. It's going to take a lot to dethrone Jose Altuve. It's going it's, it's, it's to be difficult for him to be, like, the best second baseman. Now, can he do it? Sure. But I don't think that's necessarily what you should expect. Whereas with Ronald, you, you should expect 
more often than not that he could be that he can very easily be the best right fielder in the game and a top five player in the game total. Michael Harris. Probably not best center fielder in the game until Mike Trout retires. But he was on the same level, statistically speaking, as Julio Rodriguez a season ago, which lets you know, like, that is, you know, as much as as crazy it is to say, that's top five player in the game level of talent. Austin Riley, top five third baseman, easy. You could say he's, you know, top 15, top 20 type player in the game type of talent, especially if he ups that walk rate a little bit this year. He's already such a good pure hitter that you kind of just overlook some of the defensive limitations. Because even if he's just an average to slightly above average defender, which I think he's closer to that than numbers illustrate, sometimes defensive metrics might give you the wrong idea of a player. I'm not saying that the eye test is always right, but just like the eye test is not always reliable, defensive metrics are also not always reliable, um, especially in like one, not especially in season to season samples. It just doesn't generally work like that. But Austin could be that level of player. And I think Vaughn could be very similar to Aussie, where I, I keep comping him to Xander Bogarts. That's just what I think of him from, like, an offensive profile and a size profile. Like, Xander's a guy that is an extra base hit machine. He basically has carried an OPS over 800 the entirety of his career. He's never a guy that, that's consistently going to belt out 30 homers or anything like that. But he's a guy that doesn't strike out is just a great hitter. And in Fenway, he played with the monster like it was going out of style. Like, that was that was his spot. He knew exactly where to hit it to double off of the green monster. And I think I think Vaughn can be something like that. Now, is it going to be this year? I don't know. We'll see. I think he's going to be more... He's going to be more concerned with his defense and his offense this year. Like, the Braves aren't concerned about his offense. If you, if you ask Alex about Vaughn, he's said before, he knows Vaughn's going to hit. He doesn't know if it's going to be this year, but he knows Vaughn is going to hit. And I agree. You look at Vaughn, you look at the way he swings, you look at his eye at the plate, his actual approach at the plate, he's going to hit. Just depends on how much power you get out of him. The speed is a little underrated there, where there, there's there's easily 20 steel speed in there, which is a little bit surprising when you look at his frame. Um, but I, I think that if you're looking at players who are going to be, quote-unquote, the worst players on the team this year, Left field, certainly, certainly, without question, that's where you circle and say, yep, that's the worst, unless, you know, a trade happens. Uh, my Anthony Santander dreams come true. By the way, no, I don't care about whatever you think about Anthony Santander. He's a close to 40 home run guy in a ballpark that was not very fair <laughs> to hitting home runs. I know we think of every every place in the AL East being a band box, but it's not really true. Um, the, uh, the Orioles, Camden Yards is actually kind of difficult to hit homers in especially if you're hitting right-handed which is one of the reasons why ryan mountcastle was disappointing last year everybody's trying to make it easier to hit home runs and camden yards making it more difficult for some stupid reason um you know i i don't get it but we'll see we'll see if they decide to change that here shortly and try to make it a little bit easier to get there but outside of left field it probably would be vaughn now i think ozzy's gonna have a great year because i i know when you look at the articles written about banning the shift, Ozzy's name doesn't really pop up. But you look at Ozzy, and we talk about it, when he hits right-handed, he might be he might be in the top three most dangerous hitters in the game when he's hitting right-handed. He's got a career WRC plus of like in the 170s, batting as a righty. It's ridiculous. Lefty, though, 
he's sub 100. He's in the he's in like the 90 like 93 or 95 something like that career WRC plus from the left side, which is slightly below average. Now I know there are a lot of people that say Ozzy should just ditch the switch hitting and bat righty all the time. We've seen it occasionally. He'll go right on right, and he's in an extremely small sample. He's done exceptionally well, but I think there's probably a reason Ozzy doesn't. But banning this shift, I'm not saying that it's going to turn Ozzy into a 120 WRC plus guy batting left-handed. But if it gets him from like 95, 97, if it gets him up to 105 area, like not, and that's not a big jump. Then you're going to start seeing Ozzy as a guy that's hitting, you know, 290 to 300, who's on base percentage is going to jump from being around 320 to being a lot closer to that 355 that it was in 2019 when he was nearly a five-win player. That's the type of player Ozzy can be if some of these balls from the left side, if he's able to start finding holes. And I know you don't want to hit everything on the ground, but in the case of Ozzy, he gets out of the box really quickly. And if it just results in, say, 10%, 10% more of his batted balls from the left side find a way to get through and he finds himself on base, that's going to be a player that I think is going to be affected just as much as Matt Olson by banning the shift and it's going to result in i think five win type of seasons for aussie and that's in addition to a guy that's already shown you that he's 30 home run capable and i know we scoff or at least some guys some of my favorite my my, my boys over at just baseball they like to make fun of the idea that the bigger bases are going to play a bigger role i'm telling you it's going to you can say oh well it's only four and a half inches five inches what's the big deal it's not a lot Dude, when you're talking about something where a fingertips difference is, is you being out, like I, we watched this with our own eyes with Ronald last year. Ronald got thrown out a lot last year, a surprising amount for a guy that's as fast and previously as, as stellar running the bases as Ronald. A lot of those were by a fingertip or by just a tenth of a second. And if you tell me that you've got half a foot extra like to take out of that, that's going to result in more steals. I'm sorry. It's just going to. And, and we can laugh about it, but it's going to happen. And I think Ozzy's going to be a big beneficiary of that. Now, do I think that means he's going to steal 40 bags? He says he wants to. I don't think he's going to. 40 bags is a lot. Like, Ronald can do it. Michael Harris might be able to do it. But I think part of the thing with Michael Harris is not just that he can steal bags. But how efficient he steal how efficiently he steals bags. Like last year he was twenty of twenty one, twenty of twenty two. Like he, he is one of the more efficient base stealers in the game. And I, I think the that efficiency would drop if he was just running on every first pitch. Like Vaughn could be theoretically Vaughn could be twenty. Like he's got the speed for it. Like the Braves the Braves might steal more bases than any other team in baseball this year, for being honest. But I think Ronald Ronald is the sure bet for me to be a guy that's gonna steal thirty plus. And outside of that, I don't know anybody that I'm going to say for a fact is going to get to 30, but I'd rank it as Ronald, Harris, and then Ozzy as guys that are capable of getting 30. And then Ronald, Ronald, Ronald's capable of getting 40. He, I mean, if he gets on base enough, he's capable of going beyond 40. He really is. I mean, that's Ronald is the is the perfect blend of aggressive and fast and quick get off to get 40 plus and kind of approach that 50. Now. Home run numbers, like I, we all like to talk about Ronald going 40-40 because he almost did in 2019. Like he was like three steals away from going 40-40. 40-40 um, is tough, man. There's a reason nobody ever does it. 
And in 2019, obviously, you had the juice baseball. So I think Ronald is closer to... Ronald. Now, Ronald has juice for days. Like, Ronald has some of the more explosive juice in baseball. And you can see that by how far his home runs travel and how hard he hits the baseball. I still think he's probably closer to 30 than he is 40. Because he does still carry, even, even when he's at his best, not counting last year, he still carries a decently high ground ball rate. It's just the way his swing is. So I just... I, I don't think 40-40 is going to happen. But I certainly think he's 30-30. Uh, I think Michael Harris is 30-30 as well. Like I know we're going to expect sophomore slumps from Harris, and that's possible. If we're talking about guys that might have down years, it might be Michael Harris. Just because this, the sophomore year from a player typically is the more difficult season. That's why we call it the sophomore slump. But I, think, I, I think Michael Harris is also very different. And I think he's just such a good baseball player. And he was so young last year. He was 21 years old. He could very well take another leap this year and just be. He really could vault himself into the stratosphere of players in Major League Baseball. Like I know he didn't get as much shine as a lot of us Braves fans would have liked him to. And he wasn't he wasn't great against lefties. He was not good against breaking balls, especially from lefties. But those are things that will iron out. He wasn't bad in the minors against lefties. He wasn't bad against breaking balls in the minor leagues. Now, just shows you there's a big difference between a double-A breaking ball and a major league breaking ball. And because of that his walk rate was, was not great last year, it was very low. So you got a lot of people that will look at his numbers and say those aren't sustainable. The trap they're falling into is they're not paying attention to what Michael was in the minors, like what his actual ideal is, like what he actually is versus – what he showed you in his rookie season. Like Michael's Michael's a much more patient hitter than you saw last year. That's only going to get better as he ages. So you could be looking at an MVP type like that and here's here's the best way for me to put this. I know I got to I got to go. I've gone a little longer than I wanted to today. But there are legitimately three position player MVP caliber players on the Braves this year. Ronald, obviously, if Ronald stays healthy and he's a you know healthy knee Ronald, he's able to get to the power like we're used to seeing from him. He's an MVP candidate every single season. Austin Riley, whenever you are the best power hitting player in a group of ridiculously good power hitting and talented players like Riley is like Riley is the only third baseman to have 70 home runs the past two years. That's a position group that features Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, and Rafi Devers as well. And yet Riley is the king of them all in terms of power. He's also one of the better pure hitters in the game, just like all of those third basemen are. Like he's, I know he's not great defensively, and that'll probably tamp it down. But I don't think any of us think it's outside the realm of possibility to see him pop 45 home runs this year. It's possible. If there's anybody on the team that could get to 50 home runs, it's Austin or it's Olsen. And I love Matt Olsen. I still miss Freddie. But Austin is, the, is a better hitter than Matt Olsen. And Austin is a guy that could hit, that legitimately could hit 285, close to 300, hit 45 bombs. Like He, he really could be that guy. And anytime you can do that as a third baseman, you can win an MVP. Now, if you want to, it's harder for pitchers to win MVPs, 
But I don't think it'd be, I, really, I don't think it's outside of the realm that Spencer Strider could win one at one point in his career. I mean, when you have a guy that sits down that many, that many batters, when he strikes out that many people, I mean, Spencer was the most dominating, devastating pitcher in baseball last year in 131 and two-thirds innings. We'll see how many innings he gets to this year, but if he throws 175 innings this year, he's getting 300 strikeouts. And he's just, he's got that slider, and his changeup, by the way, I think we're going to see his changeup more this year. His changeup is really good, too. It, it's, it's really incredible how much talent is on this Braves team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm higher on them. I, I, maybe I am just being a homer a bit. But as far as who's going to be disappointing, maybe Travis Darno. Like, if you're just going based off of regression candidates, probably Travis who's number one. Maybe Sean Murphy will be disappointing for the same reasons that Matt Olson was last year, where it's still a pretty decent season. Sean Murphy coming off a five-win campaign a season ago. Still, you know, decent season. Still a really good season, but not the level you were expecting. It's really all I can see. Like, I don't see anybody on this team that's going to be just bad or just, you know, really disappointing. I guess it could be Ozzy. If Ozzy doesn't take any steps forward, if his approach is still terrible and he's chasing at everything and he's around 250, but even so, he's, you know, he's a lock for 25 homers and 100 ribbies and probably a lock for 20 to 25 bags. Like that's, as a second baseman, it's hard to be disappointed in that. It really just goes to show how incredible this team really is. We'll see. I'm really excited to see it, just as I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the World Baseball Classic. That's going to do it for us, though. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode of the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.